I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight as always uh, is my uh my sidekick we'll just call you sidekick oh i like that better Ren willox and uh this episode of this show is very special we've got a lot to talk about which, of course, if you've been following um, online or, or follow us on Facebook, there is, of course, tonight the great Iron Man 3 debate of 2013. <laughs> Since Ren is apparently the only one with the cojones enough to challenge me on this and talk to me about it, Quincy. Um, so uh, we will be discussing Iron Man 3. Ren enjoyed it immensely, it sounds like. I was disappointed in the film, and if you read my rambling review, you would you would actually know that already. Um, but also tonight um, is a special guest, our one of our uh, fangirl faves and friend of the show, Mark Miller, who has co-wrote um, alongside Clive Barker a new comic book series that's coming out this month that is pretty amazing it is called next testament and it is basically what if god came back to earth and wasn't happy with any of us and we screwed it all up which you know in this day and time i could totally see that happening <laughs> well yes and unfortunately thanks to alanis morissette no longer can the words "What if God" be uttered that without that, that song popping into everybody's head. That wasn't Alanis Morissette, wasn't it? No, that was that one chick with the nose ring and the big hair, and I can't remember her name because that was her only hit. Are you but sure? It wasn't Alanis. You're thinking of "If God Was One of Us." Blah, 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 that's blah. the song. You yeah, said, that "What was if a, God," and that's the song that pops in and, my head. Yeah, that's not Alanis. That was some chick with a nose ring and big hair and dreadlocks. Uh, 90s music sucked anyway. Yeah, it all sounded the same. Um, but anyway, also tonight, um, we're going to talk about the, um, the fact that Game of Thrones kicked ass this weekend. And it totally also, did. It totally did. And you know what else kicked ass this weekend? Doctor Who. Finally, Doctor Who, this second half season, was awesome. And you know what? Both shows have in common. Diana Rigg was in both of them. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so we will um, let's let's get go. Oh, it wasn't Jewel. Amanda, Amanda's saying it was Jewel. It's not Jewel. Um, Googling, Googling. Google that up and look at freaking thing up, and so we can answer who. I mean, if it actually was Alanis Morissette. It wasn't. It but what wasn't. do I win if it was? You won't Sir, win. It wasn't. 
<laughs> I've never heard of. Who the hell is Joan Osborne? Sorry, That's Joan it. Osborne. That's it. That's it. Joan Osborne. Um, I remember. So anyway, um, one thing I did have to bring up because I am a super supporter of this project and um, I actually posted about it on fangirlmag.com, but um, I actually contributed financially to this um, during their Kickstarter for uh, a second series is the Joker blogs. They second series started this week and they have posted their first episode and my God, are they going for it? This one, Mm -hmm. um, they have Lex Luthor, they have Dr. Arkham releasing basically hell upon earth within Arkham Asylum. He lets all the crazies go and the Joker's trapped inside with them as, lo- as well as Harley. therapy. It's group time. It is so not. Um, and there's <laughs> already, already stabbings and craziness and uh, just... Their emotions. It is... <laughs> It is some awesome, awesome shiznit, and you need to watch it. Um, the guy, like I said, I've I even told Warner Brothers, um, a Warner Brothers rep, when I was on set of Nightmare on Elm Street um, remake. You guys, if you ever decide to make another Batman with a Joker in it, you that need guy. to hire this guy. This that guy guy's. is the so Joker. We're not, like, pretending he's good. He's really freaking good. He's really freaking good. And the funny thing is, he doesn't look a thing like Heath Ledger out of that In makeup. In real life, no, yeah. No, but, he's got, oh. like, a baby face. He's adorable. Not, I don't know how he does it. He's just awesome. He's just awesome. And um, support this project. Watch it. You will totally love it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I truly believe in it and you should definitely go check it out um so moving on to let's do doctor who first because i was ecstatically happy that i finally got an episode this season it's only like what almost two or three left that's all we're gonna have um that uh i absolutely enjoyed funnily enough two things i have to point out (laughs) one one mark gaddis mark gaddis wrote it and yep. Mark Gaddis is amazing. He also plays Mycroft Holmes on Sherlock, which he also co-writes and co-created with Stephen Moffat. Um, but he is also a damn good writer, and he loves old school Who. And he is also co-writing, I believe, and uh, creating the making of Doctor Who movie that they're going to have this year, which is for part of the 50th. But this episode was great. It was called um, The Crim... Crimson Waste, I believe, was what it was called. And uh, it was an awesome episode. And the other part of it that is funny that... Um, the Crimson Horror, I'm sorry. Uh, the other part of it that was that was funny to me was the fact that I enjoyed it so much. And Clara was hardly in it at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know and, that I've stopped watching that show a long time ago. So, like, the entire... This season, and even right now, I've just been sitting in a little cloud of, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Well, the thing that's funny is, um, well, anyway, this episode was one of these, it, it, it was, what's funny is usually every season of Doctor Who, they'll have one episode that the Doctor is hardly in at all. Yes. Um, and what's interesting about this is this episode had the Doctor throughout it for the most part the one that wasn't really in this episode was Clara 
And the uh, the other interesting thing I have to uh, point out in this one is that Diana Rigg, who we love to death, who is also in Game of Thrones, which we will talk about in a few minutes, um, was in this episode alongside her own real-life daughter, playing her daughter in this episode, Rachel Sterling. And it was, a you know, just that alone was awesome. But it was also... Uh, Madame Vostra and Ginny and Strax episode on top of that and these three characters are great they've been um, throughout the series in the last couple of years and Strax is awesome he's a Santaran who has brain damage and he's hilarious he's he's hilarious and anytime you have Madame Vostra and her her wife Ginny um together is great and Jenny in this episode does this um, awesome scene where she's fighting and she takes off her dress and she's got like this whole Emma Peel outfit underneath which is great mm-hmm. um, but the episode was um, beautifully written, wonderfully done loved how they did like uh, the the flashback scene with how the doctor and Clara ended up where they were making it all look old school timey um, photograph and I also love the fact that we get a classic Who shout out uh, via the doctor where he's talking about this Australian that he had to get back to Heathrow Airport and and then he says the line Braveheart Clara which is a total nod to Tegan Javanka who was traveling with um, Tom Baker and Peter Davison and uh, that you know four and five and that was awesome I love it when they do stuff like that and that was a complete Mark Gaddis moment right there he you know made a point of giving a nod to the old school stuff brilliantly done um great episode fun um touching as hell i loved um ada and her relationship with the doctor where she calls him her monster because she's blind she can't see him and because the doctor has been contaminated by the crimson horror he can't really talk he sounds like frankenstein um kind of looks like frankenstein sorry matt smith um uh but Adorable Frankenstein, I'll say. Um, but it was really, really well done. I um, I loved it. I wish they were all like this one. Um, so now coming up this weekend, uh, and actually, I will hopefully be getting you some audio for the from this um, for the next um, the next show uh, with Neil Gaiman. Um, hopefully I'm going to be involved with this uh, round table discussion with Neil Gaiman um, this week, talking about his upcoming episode, which is a, a Cyberman episode. And I believe it's called the last Cyberman. Uh, and that looks interesting as heck. Anytime you bring the Cyberman into it, but especially when Neil Gaiman is scripting, you're going to have a good time. Um, so Dr. Who finally, it only took this entire season for you to finally give me something that I really enjoyed um so god I hope this isn't a nod to what we're gonna have for the 50th since you guys can't be bothered to bring back the all the living doctors but you are giving me my tenant so I will take that is that the official I've kind of lost track of that this 50th episode is not going to have it's not gonna have or Smith nope uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant are all you're going to get doctor wise as far as we know unless they have um, really, oh, so Smith really... Is okay. yeah Smith, Smith is has... in it and Tennant's coming back and Rose is coming back um, so Billy Piper will be in there but um, as of well, right oh, now the rest of the guys? none of the rest what? 
Um, I managed to pull every single one of them for the radio. Oh, for Big Finish? Yeah. Uh, because Big Finish is awesome, and they actually asked them. Oh, well. You know, I, I don't believe, um, unless they're going to super surprise us with suddenly Paul McGann walking out, which, you know, people, I'm going to state it again. No doctor has been given as much of the shaft other than Colin Baker in terms of respect as a doctor than Paul McGann has by, you know, the visual side of it. His audio dramas are amazing. His doctor is great. And I don't understand why we can't get a nod back to the time war to see what happens with him. Because we know he can do the intensity. We know he's badass. And I just don't understand that. But I don't, um, I don't understand any of it. Wild, wild speculation on my part. It's just that I, I, I will forever lament the loss of Russell, uh, you know, R.D. What the hell? Russell T. Davies? Suddenly forgetting his name. R.T.D. Yeah, Russell T. Yeah, Davies. Um, he built that. He built that, that idea of there being this lost, you know, time frame between McGann and Eccleston with this massive war and this, you know, epic things that happened to him and shaped who he is when he come, when we see him again. And it's all, all the credit is to, you know, due to him for the fact that everyone now regards this, you know, with such incredible high excitement. And then we've never even seen it. And we're all think this is the coolest thing we've ever heard. So the fact that that man's not, you know, the one telling the stories anymore is the primary reason why I'm not excited anymore. Yeah. And I, I can get that because Moffat is, he's good in short doses, but so far I'm not, and not loving it. The, you know, what he does well is the stuff with River Song because mm-hmm. that character is amazing and um, the actress that plays her is amazing as well. And mm-hmm. it's hard to screw something like that up when you have Alex Kingston and that character together. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't screw that up. You can't. No matter how hard you try. Um, But I just, I'm not caring enough about these people. I need to care. Now, here's what, here's, you know, people are like, you're just a hater. You don't like the women. Bullshit. (laughs) Sorry, but bullshit. I loved Martha. I loved Donna. I loved River Song. When they have layers and actually have personality and are believable. I also love Rose, too. I mean, as much as I had a problem with her being a clingy, clingy, clingy chick. And she pissed me off with how she treated Sarah Jane until the end. um, I absolutely Oh, you just are partial to Sarah. That was funny. That was hilarious. Uh, Yeah, I'm partial to Sarah Jane, you know. And guess what? You aren't anything special than new. That's her whole point. He replaces new models. That was what she said. She didn't like hearing that, but it's the truth. Well, it was funny. Okay, fine. That's shocking, Freud. But whatever. It was. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and and I agree with you. Martha, Donna. God, I will always love Donna. And Rose. Um I only saw River Song in the originals, in not oh, I call it original in the non Matt Smith era since I stopped watching it. But um, so you basically uh, only saw her in two episodes. Pretty much. Oh, you need to see <laughs> the rest of her. 
because she's amazing. But she's nothing original. That's the other thing. Um, she's the time traveler's wife. Yeah. And and I, so, you my know, problem with Smith, my problem with Moffat has always been the same thing. It's the idea of small doses. We we get a, we got really excited about the episodes that he would write because he liked to color a little bit out of the line as far as the doctor would go, and that's exciting. But when you put him in charge and every episode is coloring out of the line, it's not the doctor anymore. It's like a weird, skewed version of the doctor. Right. Well, he's made Matt Smith, this the last few episodes, other than the Crimson Horror, Matt Smith was like a freak on a leash, Not and he'd gotten off the leash. I mean, they made him almost like a cartoon. Like and manic, that's really manic. Weird. Yeah, really over the top. And... I really didn't like that. This episode was more like because, you know, Mark Gaddis knows how to write who because he's well, an old fan. And that's fan. the brilliant thing about the Doctor is he is crazy, but he's also scary. He's also devastatingly intelligent. He's also caring somewhere deep down inside. I mean, he's all of these things. And with the right balance, you see all of those things, and that's why we all love him. If you right. write him as just one of those things at a time, he's boring. Well, and that's why Tom Baker is so perfect as the doctor. Tom Baker's doctor was all of those things. He mm. was alien. He was intense. He was smart. He was goofy. He was funny. He was almost crazy. Mm. But in, on, on a dime, much yeah. like David Tennant, much like Matt Smith can do when he's written that way, yeah. when, when someone takes the time to write him like that, he can turn from the goofball into the, I am the doctor, I'm a thousand years old, and I will save your life, and I will destroy everything in my path that makes me not able to do that. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and you believe him. He's the oncoming storm. That's what I was trying to think of. Whatever the whatever the kid calls him in the family of blood, you know, he is the yeah. He is fire. He things. is ice. He is, you know, you know, and that that's another one that oh god, I have to rewatch that now that you've reminded those, me. Those that are good oh my god, it's so good, <laughs> so that's, good. And that's been my primary complaint since episode one of Matt Smith. Is there's just there's a lack of dimension for me. Not interested. Well, they at the beginning they were really forcing him to try and be tenant, and he's not. And to the point that they actually had yet another. Um, the first episode had him on top of a building telling the aliens, "Look me up." Really? And yeah, that was the first Matt Smith episode. That's been done. Yeah, it had you. been done. And David Tennant did it a couple of yeah. times. But the first episode of David Tennant was him on top of a, well, I think it was a spaceship that time. And he was fighting aliens in the, yeah, I, it was just, I, yeah. I, the, the point is the Crimson Horror was a great episode. Watch it if you haven't gotten to see it yet. Um, Mark Gaddis is awesome, as we already knew. And, um, yeah, it was great. It was great to see Diana Rigg. And uh, f this this season, I have to say, though, has been awesome for guest stars because we've had Richard E. Grant, we've had David Warner, and now we've had Diana Rigg. And those are classic British actors who are great and need to be in more stuff. And uh, Diana Rigg, moving on, we now go to Game of Thrones. Did you see Game of Thrones? Of course, of course. That scene between her and Tywin Lannister. Oh, man. They Brilliant. just need to get married. Get married. Marry, marry, marry. <laughs> no, I don't want them to marry. I want to see more scenes like that. 
God, uh, when you put two good actors together, yes. this is what happens. Yes. But brilliant at the end, you know, she's she weighs up everyone she meets in a split second. Yeah. And and at nice. the end of this conversation to say it's rare to meet a man who lives up to his reputation. Just magnificent. If if Ty- and knowing Tyler <laughs> Bannister, he won't be, you know, um he won't be uh uh I can't even think of the word now. Pushover. No, uh, the opposite what's the opposite of offended? Um like when you pay someone a compliment. Flattered, thank you. Flattered, you won't be flattered. flattered by that at all because he is Tywin freaking Lannister. But he oh. should be a little bit. He should be flattered by that. because He's Charles hell. Dance and I love him. <laughs> but that's uh. what I mean. that was a hell of a compliment coming from that lady. Oh, yeah. No, he is a badass. And I love her just... Just the the way that she t- just basically is no bullshit either. She just says it. You know, yeah. she just, there's no pulling punches with her. She just says yeah. it and talks about it. And I also, um, I loved Tyrion's, poor little Tyrion, having to, to go in there to tell that girl, you're going to be marrying me now. Yeah. And, and then have his mistress next to her. And I love this. <laughs> that that was a great scene. But I really, really honestly wish they had shown him telling her. Telling them. I was so bummed they cut away. Yeah. I wanted I really to see, the, liked I wanted to see, to see the awkward. I wanted to see Shay just slowly turn red of anger. And then I want to see Sansa die in tears because I really can't stand her. Um well, but, this, there was one thing that I was kind of confused by when we did see her cry and she was standing at the at the shore. That was Littlefinger leaving. Was I figured it must be. I was trying to figure who the hell has that bird symbol. It was yeah. Littlefinger. So so that was like both her escape routes gone. She can't marry. Because she's an idiot. Yeah. She's an idiot. She can't leave with Littlefinger because he's gone and she's not going to marry the Loras. Yeah. Um, so boo-hoo, Sansa. Yeah, you made a poor choice. You didn't go with the pimp. Now you're stuck with the imp. Ooh. Oh, please yeah. tell me you made that up. I just made that up. <laughs> oh, my God. You didn't go with the pimp. You stay with the imp. And and the, the, the other part of that is I love that Littlefinger basically just showed how just freaking evil Aww. he is. Dark-hearted. Oh, God, it was sexy. He, um... You got a you got weird taste lately. I, I, I do. Oh, I so love upset because Rose was becoming one of my favorite characters. But she he warned her. Yeah, he warned her far and a long time ago when she first showed up that you know she was crying about the babies being murdered and all this stuff, and he's like. I don't like bad investments. You have, you will be working tonight and that's it. And you don't have any, you know, and if you don't work and if you betray me, basically you're screwed. Yeah. And, and it, the fact that Joffrey, yeah. that was Joffrey's choice to just basically he's, shoot. He's, he's a, a sick, sick, sick um, bastard. Shall we say? Blah. Yes. And, and you wonder what, um, Marjorie is going to say. That was my thought. Was like, yeah. if this is the only way, I mean, getting gross here for a second, this appears to be the only way the little prick gets off. Yeah, What's exactly. That, like, how is Marjorie going to cope? She's it's used not, to weirdness. She's used to she, weirdness, but I don't think she's used to that much weirdness. She's going to have to stay on her toes and keep deflecting those impulses of his towards other women. Yeah. Or, yeah. Ugh, whatever. Anyway, off yeah. the yucky topic. So, um, 
that happened, and then we actually saw Jon Snow and Egret um, climb the wall, and I kind of wish Egret would fall, because she's kind of annoying. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, she's okay, but she, I don't know. I get tired of hearing her talking about his tongue and, and such. It gets it's kind of like I felt like you know the extra the extra mention last episode was fine, but you didn't have to remind us again. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, right? So yeah, that happened, and then uh, we still have ongoing torture of Theon, which I could care. Um, and then really, the, I I am I am still invested in that, but I just don't understand why. Like, <laughs> yeah, why? Like, give us even. I, I kind of get they're trying to keep us in the same dark that, that Theon is in, so we know as little as he does. Yeah. But it's dragged on that we need we need some breadcrumbs. Like right. I kind of I've kind of, since we've ruled out a whole bunch of houses because Theon played that guessing game, so we know that he's not in any of those. But he could just but be a psycho. One, he could be yeah. a psycho, but since day one I figured that it was his own freaking house. Yeah, I thought it was his dad. Yeah. No, it's the Greyjoys. It's somebody in the Greyjoy, you know, uh, kingdom, whatever those things are. I don't uh, think his yeah, sister completely would have done it. I don't know. The sister might. But, but see, like, I, haven't, I haven't gotten that far in the books yet, people. I know people are out there, like, screaming at us, it's this! I'm reading my brick as we speak. I'm trying <laughs> to get through the brick. I'm so, yeah. Just um, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not reading them. I'm reading them, so I'm trying. Um, so we actually have five minutes before we have to bring our guests on, so we have to start the we have to start the Iron Man debate. Do you think he wants to talk about Iron Man? Let's just talk to him about Iron Man. No, we've actually got a lot to talk to him about because he's got okay. a badass. I'll wrap comment. it up. You're wrong. It was awesome. There we go. It it okay. was not awesome. I, I I don't think you read my review, but I'm going to ask you. Did you not think? Okay, here, here's, here's the problems that I had with this. Okay, the film was uneven no in one. so many ways. You had the evil PTSD that somehow Tony Stark, who has got the biggest egomaniac ever, who already knew all of this stuff. His father had already used weapon, the alien tech. He already knew about that. He knew about the Tesseract. He knew about Thor and Loki. He had already knew that there were aliens because he knew about Thor and Loki. He did the reading. Why suddenly now does he have PTSD? And why are we supposed to laugh at it in certain scenes and then not laugh at it in others? And then tell me why Pepper Potts didn't realize that her guy that she's been living with and sleeping with for who knows how many months, probably a couple of years since New York, didn't realize that his, her boyfriend, who has saved her life numerous times and who she's been with for years as an assistant plus now girlfriend, didn't realize that he had PTSD, was having trouble sleeping and doing all this crap. Okay, okay, okay. That's three things. I shall answer, answer in order. Okay. Number one. What was number one again? How could he get PTSD <laughs> after knowing everything? Okay, yes, into right. It? Okay, We're so number one, this number, no, hang on, you gotta let me answer. You have five oh, okay. minutes. Okay. Uh, I've read that theory online that the idea of oh, all this brand new knowledge has freaked him out, I, that, and then I agree that's BS. That's complete crap. He would not be freaked out by the knowledge of all this stuff that he's not been aware of. He thinks he's the most intelligent man in the world and finds out he's not, or the most powerful man in the world and finds out he's not. That's that has that had nothing to do with it. I subscribe wholly to the idea that um, he thought he was capable of handling anything thrown at him and found out he was not. And he's, he's had, you know, battles at which he was close to losing before, you know, see previous two films, 
But the one thing that happened in Avengers that didn't happen in those films is that he made a choice to actually give his life. He was prepared to die when he took the warhead into the wormhole. And that is some scary crap for anybody to, to, to contemplate. But he was prepared to die for Pepper in the second movie. He was prepared to die for Pepper in the first movie. Yeah, he prepared almost, to die fighting. Prepared to die om- fighting something and have he, something else kill him. This wouldn't have been something else killing him. This was him choosing to fly he into the mall. He this giant battle already knowing he could die. That's and then. The and then, the in the first movie, we're supposed to believe that that would affect him after he's already almost died. He's been held by terrorists. He's had this thing shoved into his chest right, that he's had to keep the other thing away. I disagree with. I disagree with the idea that he hadn't been affected by all of that stuff before. I think that he was. I think did that you, see, did you not point. see the Avengers and see the cocky bastard that I did? Yeah, I did. That doesn't mean he wasn't being affected. He wasn't being affected at all. This was my thesis. I I think I know why this there feels like a disconnect for people is because there's this there's there's a whole bunch of stuff there's a whole bunch of character stuff that happens between the Avengers in this film that they talk about and do not show you. So they talk about Tony descending into this hermit-like state. They talk about and uh, and that's point number three. The idea that Pepper didn't know bullshit. Pepper totally knew their relationship was on the rocks and she was trying to figure out. How do I maintain? How do I maintain for Tony's sake? But, but she he just he came out into her in that scene saying that I haven't been able to sleep. And she blows him off. She blows him off. And then, then you have does. that. She tries to stay. She tries to be his norm. She tries to be his calm because he's That's so crap. That is crap. She, she, they, in the second movie, they were like a harpy screaming match between them all the time. In this movie, right, because she, she blows it off. She tells him after he admits to her that the suits are part of me. Oh, no, they're not. They're a distraction. Because they are a distraction. They're part of him. The suit saved his life. They gave him a purpose other and than being. not wearing the suit. He. Shit, the say the suit saved them because she somehow knew how it actually after he says to Rhodey, I can't give you a suit, they're programmed to me, the hand comes to her from the suit and she throws that uh freaking little mini missile herself at the guy and blows him up. I agree, that was kind of dumb. Okay, you just had Fifteen plot holes right there because you just told <laughs> Cody, who is a complete waste in this movie and never gets to do anything in the suit. Okay, wait, not a you, plot you, hole. They were programmed to me, programmed and you can't have them. Points because that was the other thing. Tony point when the house was being bombed. Tony pointed at her, and the suit went on her. That didn't mean she can't use it. It means she can't call it. That's what Rody tried to but do. He she stood there did with the hand. The, no, she he did stood there. No, I don't think she did. Yes, she did. I don't remember that scene. Yeah, I, it, it, there's. We actually have to bring Mark on now, but um, you're but wrong. I'm not wrong. Uh, I want. I want to. We can continue this next week. But you <laughs> the know, only other thing I would say is you mentioned that the the crowd audience hadn't been that great in your viewing. You should have come to mine because everybody laughed hugely. I thought it was hilariously funny. And the last point, the reason no one clapped is because the ending was weird. Like the whole 70s montage thing with clips of the whole three films put together, that was off-putting to the max. That was the one that, thing I that really wasn't what they were. That wasn't what they were not applauding at. They, weren't, they were not applauding at the fact that Tony Stark no longer is really Tony Stark. Well, and And the fact that they... I think fact, you put a personal opinion, I think he put Extremis in himself. 
I think he took it out of Pepper and put it in him. Oh, I don't think so. I, I think that he they somehow have pulled the thing out of his chest, which never really happened for yeah, real in the comics. And then they um, had to remind you, Iron Man will be back. Oh, he will? Will he? How? Because he got, cause he's got extremists in him. They, they totally, t- okay, they kind of did the extremist story without the one major plot point of Tony having extremists in him. So I think well, that they're still going to do that. They're just going to do it disjointedly in the what time. They also, they took what extremists they, from her, put it in him. It's not got the molten capability anymore, but it allows him to control technology with his mind. I think that's going to be Tony in, in the next Avengers. Well, the thing that I took from it was that basically that, that scene of him putting the necklace on Pepper was representative of Pepper Potts has ripped the heart out of Iron Man and is now wearing it. Thank you, Pepper, because he blew up those suits for you. Not all now, of them. I, yeah, all of them. He blew up all of them. You saw it. They all went boom. Operation Clean Slate. So the other thing that I want to point out, though, before um, you guys all slam me for saying I hated this, it was a decent movie. Is it worthy of being a final movie in the franchise? No. Is it? A, there's a very good chance this is it, though. This is it. Are you satisfied with that? Yes. No. Uh, if you're satisfied with this movie that is a <laughs> mediocre Iron Man movie, not, not Iron mediocre Man 2. Iron Man movie. It was funny. It was exciting. I did not know what was going to happen. I was I enjoyed it thoroughly. You enjoy I, I I enjoyed it somewhat. I mean I I it was a decent movie. It was okay. it was fun in parts. There was some really brilliant parts. But for this to be the final film in a franchise that started out so strong then had that horrible Iron Man 2 and then you had Iron Man 3 um if this is how you're going out with a bunch of in jokes to what another film they? that you I did mean, together. I didn't hear anything about this being the last Iron Man film. At least the last he, with Robert RDJ's contract is done. Well, but he's got one more Avengers. He's contracted for that. No, he's not contracted to it. Isn't he? I think that he is. Nope. He's not. He's his contract with Disney is done. Hmm. So Iron Man's going to return. What are they going to do? Are they going to do the young alternate universe Tony Stark like they did in the comics? I don't know. I think I'll wait and find out. Yeah. Uh, All all I know is I have enough enough faith in Marvel Cinema now to not be uh, worried. Here's my final word on it. I think Marvel needs to invest in somebody that is going to be the script supervisor for all their films to make sure that the characters are all even and they make sense. That's Kevin Feige. He's not doing it then. Well, bull, because I think that he is. He's not. Pepper (laughs) Pepper Potts and, and, and... Tony Stark and the Avengers are completely different from their characters in Iron Man 3. They are. They're not. This is going to descend into like like just um, monotonous, you're wrong, I'm right stuff back No, I, I, but it's, it's, to me, they are. And and the other part of the problem with it is the fact that we started the film with the film being a flashback without seeing the, uh, the PTSD taking over. That would have been far more interesting, but it would also seem to me that somebody like Tony Stark would have went to the bottle to help deal with it. That, you know what? I, oh, I wish we had more time. 
I really, really think that the only reason why we have a whole uh, plot line Therapy. with PTSD is because they can't do a plot t- a plot line with alcoholism. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Mark. <laughs> Hi, Mark. <laughs> Hello. We uh, thank you for coming on tonight. We have been arguing about Iron Man three. Arguing. Yeah. yeah. That sounds that sounds intense. It, it is kind. Of, it is a little. <laughs> But we're going to talk. Did I just about walk into a into an awkward conversation? No, <laughs> we we knew we knew that the debate would be hard fought, and um, we've agreed to kind of disagree on it. I didn't hate the movie; I'll just say that mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. But it for it to be the supposedly last in this franchise because of all the 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 fact that Robert Downey Jr.'s contract is done and how they ended this. I think they could have done far better and with a lot less plot holes. Uh-huh. All right. Interesting. And I will just cap by saying, I think you are wrong. Yes. All right. I, ha- I, ha- I can't speak to it. I haven't seen it yet. But here's the thing. It. It's Ren great. Is, Ren is the only person that had the cojones to, to challenge me on this, really. So... Mm-hmm. I don't actually have cojones, just to put that out there. No, exactly. Metaphorical cojones. Metaphorical cojones. But everybody, I want you to welcome friend of the show and fangirl fave, cutie patootie, sweetheart, and all-around super talented dude, Mark Miller, to the show. (laughs) Hello. I was going to say, that's me, but then that was one too many compliments, and I just can't handle it. Own it, Mark. You should own it. Own it, Mark. Uh, I'm working you on it. I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm leasing it. You're leasing <laughs> it. <laughs> so um, you have coming out this month one of yes. the coolest um, plot lines comic books I've heard about in a while called Next Testament. Um, it is pretty cool, isn't it? It is pretty damn cool. I am so proud of you, Mark Miller. You're awesome. Oh, thank you, Jessica Dwyer. Um, you thank you. Um, so this is uh, just wow. Um, you you had a little bit of a battle on your own there um, at the beginning because you had to change the title. Um, right. But I like this title better. I, oh I, really? I I like Next Testament. It's it's pretty cool. Okay, um, cool, cool. It's been yeah. a couple of different titles. One was changed for like, it sounded. They said it sounded too literary and uh, and too then we literary. Had new, yeah, <laughs> whatever that means. I've never heard of that. But okay. Native <laughs> letters. <laughs> that simple. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah. It was too uh, legible. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we and then uh, and then we had this new Genesis debacle, uh, which you know is apparently uh, owned by DC, and so we were sort of biting our fingernails, wondering what in the world uh, we were going to call it next. And you should have seen some of the titles we came up with. It was uh, it was. It was harrowing, but uh, <laughs> but Clive landed on uh, on Next Testament, and here we are. And it's I, pretty cool I, I, because you get that sort of producerial log line, which is, uh, yeah, you had the Old Testament and then the New Testament, and now you have the Next Testament. Exactly. Wow. I, that's what I dig about it. I think it's brilliant. Um, awesome. well, and I, I, No problem. I, I wanted to make sure that people knew that kind of story because some people still know it by the, um, the second title. Right. Uh, and and yeah, we, so I just we did went, go pretty wide with that. It was all it was right. in USA Today and everything, and then all of a sudden it's got this new title. But it is the same work, and it is called Next Testament. Very and correct. I have some and I have some questions to for you about this. Um, Bring them on. Um, now 
it, this kind of was birthed from a photo shoot. Now, was that you in the photo shoot? That's me in the photo. Oh, my God. That is awesome. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I almost want to send this to Rin because so I, I can just hear her, her um, screaming as she hears this, <laughs> as she looks at it. Because it's it so was, uh, Yeah, it was fun. That was, that was sort of how Clive and I first met, actually. Uh, it is. I, I used to be is, a model. That is embarrassing so as that sounds. <laughs> why? Why would I scream at these pictures? It's pretty awesome. I, I, I think great pictures. They're great pictures. I love the color, and it looks like the cover, which I think is yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, there's one because uh, we we get covers way well ahead of time because they have to go out to to comic previews, uh, and we got the cover for number three. I think we just saw, and it's it's like it's pretty much my face you know in the in the it, it's it's like a, a comic rendering of that photo and it's just it blew me away that's, that's cool. so neat so yeah, my question was going to be did the yeah. art give birth to this first or did the story give birth to the art the uh the art gave birth to the story gotcha. it was just it was just there and, and clive was painting my face and, and we came up with this character what you know? Who is this guy? What's his name? And 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 from there, uh, stemmed next testament. That is so cool. It's been a, it's been a long winding road, but here we are. So that that's the next question I was going to have for you: is what road led you to this story? How did this come? To, I know you worked closely with Clive on it, and mm-hmm. it kind of came in pieces. So mm-hmm. how did it all come together? Because it's such an interesting tale. Well, it's uh, it it came together through the years. It uh, it was it was a project that's sort of been uh, in the back of our minds for a, for a long time now, and it it for all intents and purposes was complete. We just needed uh, an avenue for it, and I uh, had taken this idea to publishers as a as a book before, and no one wanted to touch it. <laughs> And uh, and so when we we were having uh, a, a chat with uh, Boom Studios, the fine folks that uh, put out the Hellraiser comic, and mm-hmm. uh, I had a meeting with them, uh, with Chris Rosa, the uh, assistant editor, and, and Matt Gagnon, who's the um, I'm going to say editor in chief, uh, and I'm gonna, and I'm probably going to be wrong, and I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get chastised for that. Uh, but we were, we were in a meeting and, uh, we were discussing just what, what we wanted to do next. And, uh, there were a couple of ideas that Clive had. One was like, uh, one was about these skinwalkers in Arizona, which was pretty cool. And he also wanted to do a couple of one-offs with Hellraiser, just these little self-contained stories that he wants to tell. Uh, and... And you know we we sort of bandied a few ideas back and forth, and I and I sent them uh, after the meeting. I sent them an email just saying, you know, here's here's a, the basic overview of uh, of the ideas that we like, and the one they landed on uh, was was at that time uh, New Genesis. And they just they came back at us almost immediately and said that's the one. So. So they didn't think that this would be a little bit too controversial, although they do put out. No, that's what I love about it. Uh, (laughs) I I was, you know, I I, I, because I was always hesitant to talk about this about that project. It's a great question uh, because of you know the publishers that we'd taken it to, who just 
who turned away immediately. Uh, I didn't bring up uh, New Genesis in the meeting, and and but I said, you know, there's there's other ideas we have. And then when I sent the email, I sort of threw in uh, New Genesis at the end there, and I was like, and you know, we we really like this one, but you know, of course, we understand uh, if you don't. And they came and they said, that's the one. That's that's the clear winner, and we have to applaud them for that for taking on this yeah. story about. Uh, you know, a man finding God, uh, and then uh, God ends up being, you know, uh, a less than desirable character. <laughs> <laughs> so that that leads to my next question, which is um, the two main characters in this are named Wick and Julian Demond, and yeah. Wick two is of the main characters. two two of the main characters. Yeah. Wick is the one that everyone wants to talk about, at least I do, which is he's supposedly God. And I wanted to know from you, can you, and how do you describe him as a character and what kind of powers does he possess that he can convince someone that he is God? Well, when is this coming out? It all depends. Oh, <laughs> that's true. I don't want to get you in trouble, Mark. Uh, um, this will be on Thursday. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Uh, well, then I'll, ha- I'll have to uh, I'll have to temper my answer. There's there's a lot that you will uh, there's a lot that you'll you'll find out. But uh, I guess I guess we can just say he he doesn't have to do much to convince people. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he can doesn't I, have to try ask, very hard. Can I ask about the name? Unless there's something really crazy plot wise behind it, where did Wick come from? Uh, it's it's just one of those we. Uh, sort of, you know, brilliant Clive-isms. There's, uh, and these are all very difficult to answer without <laughs> other details. <laughs> You're uh, going to get in trouble. <laughs> well, a, right, a, because in, to my mind, I think, well, okay, he, he, you know, either claims to be or quite possibly could be God, and the idea mm-hmm. of God giving himself a name and what on earth, what would he pick? And he's right. Pickwick. Pickwick. So. Right, right. Pickwick. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Nice. Have to make Nicely done. Thank you. Uh, it's just, it's, it, it has sort of, uh, as, you know, most of the things that Clive does, it has, it has roots in other languages, and it's uh, an amalgam of, of things, and it's part of something else uh, okay. that, that is, Wick, that is a, Wiccan, a bigger... Wicked. Wicked. No, no, no. He's, he's sort Wicked. of connected to other, to other things that... Uh, <laughs> That uh, you know. Yeah, have, man, have, I need I need to go look things up. <laughs> and then <laughs> you have me stammering like, oh, it's so no, not that word. <laughs> and then we're good. on the same topic of names, and this is just because I get kind of I get kind of pedantic when it comes to names in written you know medium because different people will pronounce different names in their heads different ways. Sure. So yeah. from from the mouth of you know next to the creator. Is it demand or yes, it is. okay? Demand. Demand. All right, that's yeah. how I'll read it. Which is, you know, obvious, and uh, we we touch on that uh, as well. But uh, you know, it's easily traced uh, French and just being of the world. It's mm-hmm. it's, uh, but you know, there's a reason for that as well. There's oh, what kind of yeah, demand. There's all kinds oh, of world. stuff. You know, Clive oh, is a Clive. Clive does everything on purpose, and there's. Mm. Uh, there's uh, whether he knows it or not he does and uh you know the, the every book of his that you read uh the names are just ridiculously thought out i don't know if you guys have if either of you have read imagica oh yeah 
Yeah. He he, he told me uh, one day about the the meaning uh, behind uh, you know hapaxamendios in that, and he broke it down, uh, and and it just blew my mind. I had no idea that it was. I would I would love to look in his head one day. I'd probably like go insane and like run screaming and try to cut myself after, just, but it would be worth it. <laughs> it it's like yeah, just to get a brain get a matter glimpse, and blood, right? The, oh, the burning man. bush. Yeah, you 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 would just you go blind. Yeah. You go blind after you looked into the brain of Clyde Barker. Your your it's sight would be man. gone because you wouldn't need it anymore. You're beyond mm-hmm. sight at that point. After yeah, you, no, you're like uh, Ashbury in uh, in Nightbreed. Exactly, you exactly. Don't yeah, <laughs> you don't need it anymore. I've seen all I need to see. I can't see anymore. I've looked into the mind of Clive Barker. I've seen it all. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's really <laughs> pretty much. I mean, I don't know. I couldn't deal with. And then you'd I, be I, uh, yeah. Jessica the White. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty white as it is, actually. But, <laughs> but you'd level up from gray to white. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and I can, can control dragons. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, so the one question I definitely wanted to ask you about this, even though I don't know if this will get you in trouble too, but Clive, you and Clive both, you always have a very distinct somewhat message behind what you're writing. Right. And I'm curious with this because Clive... Um, uh, I know he's had uh, discussions. He's, it's fascinating just to sit and listen to him talk about his views on spirituality and right. yeah. what he believes. Endlessly fascinating. Yeah, I like. I need at some point. Seriously, I'm going to just show up on your doorstep with a bottle of wine and a big box of cigars, and like we're just going to sit in here and talk. <laughs> I'm here to. I'm here to listen. I'm not going to say a word. Yeah, I'm just, gonna, yeah. I'm just going to like drink this and try to keep up. Um, but what was the message that he really, you and he wanted to convey in this? Because there's so much in the world right now that I could totally buy God coming back and kicking our ass. Right. <laughs> Nicely said. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, it's, again, yes, this is, this is tough territory to discuss without, uh, without revealing much uh, First, I'll say uh, I know Clive would be careful of the word "message." He's not—he's not a fan of—he's not a fan of that word at all. Right. Uh, we, we'd say more of you know, just uh, this is this is what we believe. This is what we this is what we're trying to say. This is what we think is uh, an important thing to say. Uh, and there is definitely that in there. It's not just about you know some some otherworldly being coming and, and wreaking havoc. Uh, and you know we. We rejoice in all the blood and guts and boobies. There's, uh, there's <laughs> who doesn't really? Who doesn't? Yay. Have, you know, I mean, there is that, of course, but it's not just that. There's, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's something we're trying to say, and it's, uh, it's really steeped in uh, a lot of different things, like analytical psychology. Uh, Jungian uh, alchemy, just like a lot of a lot of very different things are influencing the story, and we're really trying to tell people that it's it's okay to say things about sacred cows. You know, mm. they there there are these myths that are in place 
uh, in our world, and, you know, people, I think, take them a little too literally sometimes, and so we're sort of poking fun at that, but we're also saying, you know, there, there, there are dire consequences to not understanding uh, mm. certain things, and we're hoping that this, that this you know, does that, as well as uh, entertains and, and thrills and terrifies people. So sacrilege is not as bad as it sounds, or as bad as they've made it sound. What's that? Sacrilege. Oh it's, no! Exactly. No, sacrilege, a is, bit sacrilege is wonderful. Just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, we all burst into flame. No. Yeah. <laughs> sacrilege can be a wonderful thing. I mean, how many things uh, throughout history have been called sacrilege, and now you know it's science. Pants. Pants, pants, exactly, pants exactly. Pants exactly. Yeah, there you go. So, pants are also science, but... Fun, fun with Sacrilege, the, uh, <laughs> the working title. <laughs> sacrilege for dummies. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. I can totally see that happening. The Idiot's Guide to Sacrilege. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I can see that happening, too. Yeah, so the, I hope the, that answers it without, without you know... Uh, me, well, vi- you know, violating any contracts. <laughs> <laughs> it does, but you know what? I, I I was gonna I was gonna say, don't even tell me too much because I want to experience what it's saying for myself. Okay. When I read it. Cool, cool. I like that. <laughs> like I want to know everything, but don't tell me anything. Don't tell yeah, me anything. It's exactly tell what me the, the ending. The, boom would probably be happy with you saying that. Yes, I want to know yeah. it all, but don't tell me nothing. <laughs> I, and I understand that completely. <laughs> So, I, how was it to work on this, Mark? Because I, my question, um, I really want to know is, is uh, I, you've worked on comics, mm-hmm. and I want to know the difference between doing something in comic book form as opposed to printed, just regular, um, you know, fiction. Uh, what do you have to do differently? I mean, in, in your mindset and how how you work with it, because you know that you're going to have a visual stimulus as well as the words. Yeah, yeah. Comic books are an interesting medium. Uh, I'm relatively new to the form uh, as as far as writing goes. I myself am primarily a, a screenwriter, and mm-hmm. uh, that I became very good at because. You know, it's this sort of mixture of, of uh, technical and uh, and creative that uh, that really my brain just just feeds off of because mm-hmm. I'm I'm super OCD and so just you know knowing <laughs> that you have this this sort of layout and it's not there's not a lot of detail and there's not a lot of uh, similes in here it's just this is what's happening it's in it's in the present tense mm-hmm. and and here's and here's what they're saying yeah uh, so I thrive on that. Comic books are, uh, it takes more imagining in a way because you, you only get so many, with a screenplay, you know, you can walk, this guy walks from the fridge, opens up the thing and gets out the, the sandwich and, you know, uh, with, with Finds comic a finger. books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. And you have to, with comic books, you, you, you really have to, like, know what you're saying and you can I mean there are things that you can play with that are not being said it's what's between the panels that's happening mm. and not happening and it's just it's a it's a completely different way of thinking uh, and 
I'm, it's definitely challenging. It definitely takes me a lot longer to write a comic script than a film script. Uh, but it's, but it's a, it's a pretty fun format because there's a lot of crap you can do with it. Well, you, you can do a lot more in a comic than you can in a movie because there's no budget. Yeah, there's really, there's no budget limitation. There's no, uh, cranky actors. There's no limit. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to find the right actors. You just, you know, there's no casting. There's no location scouting. You just, uh, you know, you, you, you envision these places and and you describe them to the artist and and there but it less is. catering, right? A whole <laughs> lot less catering. I mean, unless you're me, in which case uh, the grocery bill doubles. Disappointing. Just sitting there eating a massive trough full of cereal all day long. <laughs> you sound like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a man after my own heart. Yes. Yeah, oh my god. What I'm just curious now, what does a comic book script look like? Because I'm familiar with the technical layout of a of a film a film screenplay. You yeah, know what you're yeah. describing about the description of the action. What does a comic book script mirror that, where you're kind of describing what's in certain panels? Yeah, it it, uh, it does mirror that in a way, uh, and it, that that's that's a good question too. Because I uh, up until uh, I think I started writing. Well, I was editing, uh, I was helping edit the Hellraiser comic uh, since its first issue. Uh, and then when I started writing for it, I'd, you know, I'd already seen enough scripts. But that, mm. that, that first Hellraiser issue, that was the first uh, comic book script that I'd ever seen. And uh, it's a very interesting thing. You go by, uh, you go by pages, and you, you mm. have to know which, which side of the you know the book that page is going to fall on and that way you can oh, wow. play with doing two panel spreads so you have oh. to keep all this stuff and in your keeping mind. a surprise for the turn of the page yeah exactly and when you turn the page and that's going to be the reveals you have to you have to oh, oh, wow. constantly be juggling that's that cool. that entire image in your head yeah uh, it's and not you just, just go by page. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's pretty Because people probably, people probably think that it is just, well, they just have to write in this thought balloon or, or dialogue balloon. But no, it's, it's very technical, and it's very no. time-consuming. And you have to describe, you know, I mean, if, if, if you want to get that detailed, uh, you mm. have to describe everything that's on that page. You know, you can be panel one. You'll, go, you'll start with page one, space, panel 1.1. Uh, mm. And then, and then you you write this description about a man stands panel right, looking into a vast landscape. Panel left, uh, in the distance, you see, and you can use visual references. You can send pictures, but you can, you know, you can say the rocks resemble Vasquez Rock uh, with tombs carved in the side of them, and you can describe that. Do, um, do the artists get a little ticked if you add some sketches in the margin? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's funny. Uh, I, I think, like I think the, Try it like that. You know, <laughs> exactly like this. Don't vary at all. Yeah. This uh, <laughs> sketch. Just don't even draw anything. Just ink that. Right, right. <laughs> Just please. No no room for error. I know a lot of writers are, are that uh, strict with, you know, their imagery. Uh, with Boom, we sort of have to leave it to the gods because... Uh, we're not in contact with the artists. We just uh, have to be oh, really? as specific as possible and, and hope that, uh, that that it gets nailed. You don't get any editing input. Like you don't. You get some pages and say this is all wrong or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely do that. 
Well, Mark, I think we have hit our limit on time, and it always okay. makes me sad because you are just awesome to talk to because you're a fanboy like us, and, and you, uh, you're you living the dream, and you know your stuff, which is great, and I love picking your brain. Um, you're, you're, super, you're awesome. Um, but I just want to say thank you for joining us again tonight. Um, Thanks when for having me, Jessica. Oh, we love we love having you on, and uh, I know the the comic hits this month. What day can people pick it up? Uh, it comes out on the twenty ninth, May twenty ninth, so the last Wednesday in May. And it's, it's going in my box. And it's twelve issues. It, yeah, it's going to be a twelve issue series, uh, and we're going to say we're going to say some fun stuff. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> well, I want you um, to stay safe and be um, just keep creating and let um, Clive know we love him and um, he needs to keep going because he keeps making pretty things that are awesome. Oh, yeah. He, he doesn't Great. plan on stopping anytime soon. He's, yes. uh, he's knee deep in the Aberrat Fuller. And it's, oh, uh, man. And probably paint, too. I'm, I'm sure there's paint everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Under his nails, all over his face. It's. <laughs> It's a real artist workshop in there. It's pretty it cool makes, to see. It it makes me happy to think about it. It's 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 like he is um on le- on the level of Jim Henson's workshop to me with what he makes and creates. It's yeah, just, yeah, without a doubt. Dude, it's uh, I I would just li- I would just live there. I'd like blend in like camo myself out and paint and just stay there and he'd never know. You're gushing, Jay. <laughs> he'd never know. I'd just, I'd just be like into the wall and watch. Into the wall and just watch. <laughs> Well, Mark, thank you again for joining us. And uh, once again, everybody, be sure to go get Next Testament. That is the name yes. of it. And we that don't is plan on changing it again, but you know. Yes, know. yeah. Don't don't let it be fooled. It, Next Testament, and it will be out this month on the 29th. And awesome. uh, thank you so much again, Mark Miller. You are always welcome here. We will have you on again, I am sure. And uh, keep making pretty stuff too. I will do my best. Thanks, gals. Thank you. Have a and great night. You too, man. And there you have it, everybody. Fangirl Radio's episode is now over. Thank you for joining us. We will see you again next week. When go see Iron Man. Go, go see Iron Man and make your own opinion. Just, you know, it's a good movie for a debate. I'll just say she's wrong. <laughs> and I have no opinion. <laughs> and Mark has no opinion. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you later. You got a belief She stole my heart and my cat Betty, Judy, Josie and those hot pussy cats They make me horny Saturday morning Girls of cartoons won't leave me in ruins I want to be Betty's Barney Hey Jane, get me off this crazy thing Called love.
Hi. Hi. Can I help you? Yes. Uh, do you have haggis? Yes, we do. Um, one? Uh, yes, please. My parents are Scottish. <laughs>